From Relay FM, this is Inquisitive, episode 19. Today's episode is brought to you by Campaign Monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results, and Dash, where you can create beautiful dashboards with just a few clicks, and they've created a beautiful song for us that I'm going to play a little later on in the show. My name is Mike Hurley, and today I have the real pleasure of being joined by my buddy, Mr. Chase Reeves. Hi, Chase. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am very well, sir. I'm, I'm happier that I get to talk to you. I have a, a special episode planned today uh, that I think is, is good for this time of year, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But, Mr. Chase Reeves, what do you like to be known for? Ah, it's so funny because I was preparing for this, as I've done every other time that I was on this show, which I think was just the one time. Uh, and I, I last time asked you that question and sort of got you off your your off your feet on on the last interview but this time i i was like i felt like that was kind of rude so i didn't do that and then i didn't actually prepare what my answer is so i got to think on my feet now mm-hmm. and you know i i hope that i'm uh, i i think i'm a funny person at least that's the thing that i probably get the most uh that's mo- i don't know I can be funny. I make people laugh. I oftentimes end up with my foot in my mouth. And I think I'm just like a risky person to be around. And um, who was it? My friend Josh Ship said that I am uh, one of the dirtiest people that he knows. So I've got that going for me. So all of those things wrapping up together with like the <laughs> access to the internet and the ability to publish in many different mediums it is a sort of an interesting thing to sort of be known for, to be like, the dirty, funny guy, uh, who's also very like uh, honest. I think honesty is always sort of something that I like to bring to the table. But it also then, like my wife, go, you know, she's sending me text messages. Remove that from Facebook right now. <laughs> so I have to deal with that stuff happening as well. <laughs> so, so it's like this weird mix of of all of that stuff. Uh, that's what I want to be known for, Mike. <laughs> that text message perfectly encapsulates the Chase Reeves that I know. Just, just, just stop doing. Stop doing everything you're doing. <laughs> stop it. Hold on. Are we live? <laughs> I so, do think there was something in that that you wanted to cut out before you published it. Did you do that? <laughs> Chase, what do you do? What do people know you for? Like, what do you do? So, uh, the, the re- I'm, there's a reason I'm asking this question. But what what is your business? My business is called Fizzle. You can find us at fizzle.co. Uh, Fizzle has two uh, meanings, and the first is is to sort of fail in a weak and disappointing way, and the other is a sort of buzz crackle sparkle type deal. Um, and what we do is we teach people who want to build a business they believe in how to do that. There's a bunch of information you can find online about how to be a sleazy internet person or about how to just keep, you know, being a, a, a hobbyist and, and, and don't, and not like, you know, make the leap to full-time employment from something that you, that you really dig and that you get to drive and all that other stuff. And so we're, we're for that, per, that kind of person who wants to build something that they believe in, something they care about and earn a living from it. Um, either replacing their full-time income or just, just on the side. And we do that through video training uh, of courses and, uh, and then just general like internet tomfoolery. But really, you, buy, you, you, you sign up at Fizzle because you, you think you need the training when really what you need is the community. And the, we call it the community of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit because that forward flow of, of actually making decisions and putting your ass on the line and making a de- decision and doing it that is the stuff that that will get us in trouble is be you know the procrastination and, and things like that and it's typically not something not like oh, oh i totally i didn't have the right information uh no it's just that you didn't do the action because the learning just 
come. So anyways, we have this this mix of both training and community that that is really starting to come into its own in a, in a in an amazing way. And so I'm a co-founder there along with uh Corbett Barr and Barrett Brooks is is in there as well. So that's what I do, Mike. So many people will know uh I've spoken about it in a bunch of places that you know I broke away from full-time employment. I work full-time at Relay FM now. And Chase was a, a great inspiration to me and has been a great inspiration to me for the couple of years that I've known him. He's a person with great advice and uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy and he pushes you know pushes you into, into doing the right thing, doing things that are your passion, right? Which is a word that people raise their well, eyes Well, I'd say at, more, more of that, that I'm, I'm more, more pushing you towards my passions, Mike, because my yeah. passions involve you and me snuggling in the same bed during conferences. <laughs> so any advice that I would have given you was obviously going to be clear, you know, sort of colored by, by, by that, that. Uh, yeah. motivation. Yeah, just, just to be honest, I don't want to be rude to the listeners and lie. So today... Uh, I want to take a slightly different path than the usual episode. This is like our holiday special in a way. <laughs> um, and what I want to talk to Chase about is what it takes to, to to start running a thing, whether it's a little idea or a side business or a creative project that you've been thinking about. And the reason I thought of this is, that, you know, the new year is on the way. Um, you know, we are we're very close to 2015, and I'm sure that this is a sort of time where people start to sit down and think about what they want to do in their future. It's the time of year for resolutions and things like that. And I do believe that the listeners of this show, lots of listeners of this show, have an idea or a passion they want to turn to something more. I think that's what I've tried to make inquisitive about. I talk to creative people about the creative work that they do. So I think the audience of the show has that sort of thing about them in in quite a large part. Not everybody, but I think a lot of people. Yeah. So I want to take a look with you about what the process is and some of the things that people need to think about when starting their projects. So I know that you work with a lot of people uh, Mm. and people that are trying to do this type of stuff. Yeah. Where do ideas come from? Where do people's ideas for the things that they want to do with their lives, where do they come from? So, you know, you've had your job and you've been working in in a corporate environment or maybe you're in college and you're learning stuff and then this this spark pops into your head. I want to do this thing. This is the thing that I really want to do in my life. Where does that inspiration come from? Well, science and research uh, and 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 just uh, space uh, research and uh, and rock research, science mm-hmm. research in general, has shown that most ideas come from showering. Um, so if you don't have a way to capture ideas in the shower, that's a that's a boom life hack right there, right there. That'll change your life. Uh, also, running if you go on a run, uh, massive amounts of information and ideas. Uh, being filtered through your body doing an actual thing, and you might actually have an idea. But uh, those are the two most common places, uh, according to science and Malcolm Gladwell. But uh, for the rest of us, I guess, uh, the ideas come from, I think this is a, a magical sort of thing. Because think about, like, what, what what's a movie that you've seen recently, Mike? Uh, maybe, uh, whether it's young or old, I guess, or sorry, whether it's a, a new movie or an old movie. What's a movie that you've seen recently that you that you liked or admired for some reason? Interstellar. Oh, oh my God! I need. I saw my friend tweeted out like, "I need a support group." I just watched Interstellar. We got to talk <laughs> about this. I still haven't been able to have those conversations yet. Um, and then last the, two nights ago, I just saw Birdman, and that again, both those things together, I um, it's just it's too much. It's a bomb that's gone off in me, but. 
what what is what about it? What about Interstellar is so good? I don't know. I mean, the form of the movie, the way it was it was shot, the fact that we're going through space and all this other stuff, the the theme, the stories of of this, uh, you know, father daughter relationship, uh, the concept of time and all the all these things. This is just a movie with all this stuff going on in there. And and for me, like, I always I I always kind of dreamed of being someone who could make films or who could write a book or who could do this, that, and the other, because those are the things that end up uh, like meaning the most to me or, or impacting me the most. So I think a lot of the times, and the, the, a lot of the times the best ideas come from the smashing together of two different or multiple different kinds of things and are sort of uh, that, that we already admire. So you might find a, a movie about space, time, love, yada, 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 smashed together with some medium like a podcast or a YouTube channel or uh, or you find a community that, that's interested in the same kinds of things around that. But normally there's some little hook to it that makes it unique and different. And a lot of times that is uh, those two things combining is the idea itself. Because a lot of people aren't gonna aren't like, you know, walking to their accounting job and going like, you know what'd be so cool if I made a movie uh, about space time, yada yada. They're they're normally think we normally think on some other level. Like anybody could end up writing that book if they have the idea for it. But making that movie is a whole different thing. Well, the reason why that guy had that idea for that movie or was able to put that into into fruition was just because he had the experiences to realize what it would take to do that. So I think we're thinking. We all think at the level of of our experience and and our uh, some mix of our experience and the other and the things that we admire or are drawn to in some ways and so where the idea comes from is is normal I, for me i can only really speak for me for me i listen to tons of podcasts i and all of them are interview podcasts i every I, like i'm so sick of i heard a podcast the other day that like had like a a, a like i had an agenda and i was like oh <laughs> this is weird <laughs> you know like <laughs> i really want to be taken on a rambly uh honest conversation with someone to really understand how how they're sort of how their their work ticks. Like when you interviewed Merlin recently, um, and you were talking about just the nuts and bolts of like of him editing Roderick on the line, or how he feels about that, or how he comes up with these sort of ideas for the show, or or just this those little nicks and crannies and the details of just regular old like individuals how they work. I always glean so much from that. And when I hear how that how Merlin does it, as I've listened to probably more hours of Merlin than anybody else in my entire life, uh, probably actually an equal amount of, of Mark Marin. And there's like one episode I'm listening to right now, Ben Ben Sidron on on Marin's show. Uh, it's this old jazz guy that I had never heard of before, and it's a podcast episode that I listen to every single year because it's so good. Because it's this jazz weird jazz guy who thinks like super like yeah man everything's cool just have a little taste man <laughs> he thinks like that but he's old and he played with steve miller and the rolling stones and all this stuff and the stories that he tells it's kind of like reminds me in a weird way of john roderick um but the stories that he tells uh are so from a different world like you know like it's actually roderick's a great example roderick's so from a completely different world and so when I listen to him, I feel like it's for some reason a safe place because it's not threatening. Because I'm like, well, I've never, I, I don't know any senators. I don't know how this works. I've never backpacked through Eastern Europe, you know, and stuff like that. So some, somehow that fantasy otherworldly combines with my actual tangible experience of the things, combines with, with the need that I see in the world and this, the needs that I have of myself. Like how many, how many like, like uh, cell phone cases or something that you buy, where you're like, this is so stupid. Why does this do this when it needs to do that so clearly? 
lot of times it's those little struggles and problems. But there's a this is a long rambly way of saying like I don't I don't know. It comes from everywhere. But they typically have uh uh there's an energy in the idea itself that you're excited about. And the biggest danger that I see happening is when the energy and the enthusiasm about that idea is completely disconnected from the people who would be actual buyers of that idea. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad it does. People have lots of ideas. Some are good, some are bad. Why, why can't people always know if, a, if an idea is a bad idea when other people can see it? What, what blinds you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, but and it's, it might not even be that that helpful though for the person who has it because I what I see all the time we have fifteen hundred members over fifteen hundred members in Fizzle, um, and the and I, we work with hundreds. Uh, I've worked closely with hundreds of these what I call like sort of like solopreneurs, uh, small time entrepreneurs, small meaningful businesses, um, or or you know trying to make this idea into a business, and the, there's an immense amount of energy and enthusiasm and excitement when you have that idea that blinds you to, uh, to a lot of stuff and, uh, for, for two reasons. Um, number one, you, this idea is an answer to the question, like, who am I and what am I here for? <laughs> and something in our, in our, in our you know, desperate little uh, souls, uh, something very human requires an answer to that question. Uh, we're constantly seeking it. And when we come up with a new idea, we, uh, we imbue this thing with so much importance automatically and and outside of our consciousness it's just like a biological re- reaction to this thing the same way that like we can love a dog so dang much cuz we we can we can project this personality on the dog and and they never tell us that we're an idiot they just keep like loving us that's the way that an idea kind of is is it's this dumb uh uh eager hopeful thing and we all we always love characters like those in movies in some ways right so First of all, you have all this energy and excitement about the thing that, that uh, could potentially be the question to the who am I and what am I here for question. But also, your brain is so good at connecting the dots and, and spotting the patterns and bringing that idea. So you might start on a cocktail napkin. Within a short amount of time, you could fill up a whiteboard with the ideas like, oh, yeah, okay, then, then we'd have to do this. Now, we'd need some sort of a marketing thing. So what we do is we'd have to find – now, people want something remarkable. So we got to employ some clowns. We get some clowns in here because I think they're funny and they're neat and they're sort of scary. So they have to work on this primal level, right? So – and then you're filling up this whole, this whole whiteboard, which is amazing. It's great. You're, you know, the blue sky solutioneering stuff. This is phenomenal. But what you're doing is you're is – you're, you're, you're someone who can write a blog post and you're pretending like you're, you're basically brain. You can't stop your brain from trying to make the movie Interstellar when really what you need to do is, is write a blog post about, uh, I don't know, the color of space or something. You need to go so far smaller than that big, big, big idea just so that you can, you can bite off a bit that you can actually chew on versus something that'll choke you. That's something that I see happen all the time is people's ideas get way massive, massive, massive and big. And it's something that we've learned about. This whole lean startup movement has been a great inspiration or whatever a, a, a piece of intelligence for the community of people who want to create interesting, creative, meaningful businesses. Because it has this concept of what's called the MVP, the, the minimum viable product. And it's essentially, it's the smallest amount of work that you can do to, to give you a good sense of whether or not this idea is going to work or not. And, and the Lean Startup, I won't, I won't try to bastardize and, and make it a, a, 
give you some summary of it now, but but there's a lot of great stuff in there. I think that that book itself is written for these big VC type stuff, but for us little creative guys who live and die by by the success and failures of our projects that we pursue, you know, for I'm thinking of like Dan and Tom from Studio Neat or even like Matt Alexander from from Need, like the the way that he pulled that together and had to prove that it worked on X, Y, and Z levels before they got more and more and more funding and more, the idea got to be fleshed out more and more. And, or for me, for Fizzle, what we how we had to make it is these are bootstrapped. I don't have we don't take any money. We can't afford to. We don't know how to, but we need to get we can get this in front of people and they can click. Uh, yeah, I'm in, and they can either grow our audience or 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 leave us in the dust. And these are the kinds of principles like an mvp like how can we uh what was the question that you, you what how did you word it just then it was it was perfect like why do we get so uh interested in these ideas that like everybody around them can see it's a bad idea but we yeah. can't we can't possibly do it so for 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 all of these sorts of reasons there's there's a little trick which is this minimum viable product just think of it as like like what's the smallest amount of work i can do to get this idea out of Though off of the whiteboard and into the real world in some way that could at least prove a little bit that it, that that it, that one person is interested in this thing that uh, that it might work, you know. So like so, classic examples of this is like just you know sign up for some Google account and get a hundred hundred dollars free of ad, Google AdWords or whatever, and and run a handful of tests using using advertising. Say hey for the, anybody that searches for this word, this word, this word, or this word, play display these three different ads. And see which ones get clicked on most, if they get clicked on at all. Um, and there's, it's super flawed, but it's a great, quick little way to ch- to test if there's any interest in this at all. Um, little like you know bits and pieces like that, where you can before you go whole hog into some big idea, you can test out and see if anybody else in the world would actually like that. Those are interesting. But then there's also the advice that I've taken most of the time, and that. Uh, uh, I think a lot of a lot of the successful businesses that I admire uh, have taken is this sense that like sometimes you're just so compelled that you have to kind of move forward with it regardless. There, the, have you ever heard the Hardcore History podcast? I've heard of it, but I, I haven't heard it. Man, it's an, it's an experience. Um, anyway, see, I heard him, an interview of him, and, and he's like, you know what? My advice for anybody who wants to make a podcast is just make the show you want to hear. Because you will find other people who want that same sort of thing. Uh, and, and then you get to make the show that, that you get to create that audience around something that you actually love. Versus you could do a lot of other crap that you don't like and it'll get way more successful. Right? So this is the, ta- this is the challenge that we're constantly living in as sort of these indie entrepreneurs is I want this thing to grow and to be big. And I want it to be true. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be something that I enjoy, that I would buy. And oftentimes, those are totally in stark uh, opposition to one another, at least in my experience. For me, being this designery type, being this like sort of like, I want to be cool. I want it to be the kind of thing that Merlin lands on and goes like, oh, this doesn't seem douchey. Like that would be the biggest win for me in the world, right? I don't know why I'm aiming so low with my life, but that's a big deal to me. And, and there's a lot of people who aren't cool, who are trying to make businesses that this business, need, that fizzle needs to get in front of also. 
but I'm like too prima donna focused on on like you know oh, I just really want it to be cool I want like Andy McMillan to like still be my friend and like I want like like these guys to like really like think that like wow Chase is making really good stuff I why, why is that such a struggle why can't I just put this out in the best possible way uh, and get it as big as possible why does it always feel like such a, a tension of douchiness anyways if you want to make your own business welcome to the tension of douchiness it's it's the worst. Um, but it's also it's also exciting and invigorating because I think there's more ways than ever to do business in interesting, cool, fun, fresh, uh, honest ways and earn a little bit of profit while you're at it. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Because I, I, I think the answer is like, it, it, you know, it isn't possible sometimes to see the good ideas from the bad ideas and you kind of have to pursue them in a way but yeah it's, i mean because it's this this the work on the idea will make itself known uh, if you work on it the idea flushes it flushes itself out it will a bad idea makes itself known as soon as you start working on it deeply enough the problem is when you're working on it only in your moleskine notebook mm -hmm. or on your computer or on your whiteboard you're not getting that idea out into the world Okay, so you you got to get that idea out into the world, and the, and the MVP, the creating that one sales page or that coming soon page, or that about page or that anything. I mean, that's the easiest thing in the world on the internet to do is just throw up a web page, right? And, and to see if anybody's interested in it. Now, then you got to get people to the page, and there's all this other stuff. But you can at least put something out in the world where it forces you even just to write a sentence down on what it is, because it can live in you. And just cloud your vision in this amorphous, ambiguous sort of blob of interest to you. And, and you could do all this work and waste all that time. All because you didn't just get something out the door. And chances are getting that thing out the door, having your friends tell you what they think about it, finding the people who would be interested in this kind of idea and getting in touch with them, hearing what their struggles are. There's this whole world of what's called customer development and discovering what people actually want. Maybe maybe another helpful can I can I give you one of my like biggest tips and tricks for this thing? Yeah. You ready for a life hack, bro? I'm totally ready. I'm, God. I'm ready. I am on my feet. I am fired up. No, I'm not actually. I, I didn't I didn't caffeinate enough today. And and it's one of those it's one of those things that you're just trying to balance, Mike. Just trying to balance. But my biggest my favorite tip on this thing is this. Um you can let you can pick a crew of people to serve, and you can serve them for the rest of your life. So, for instance, uh, the, the the silly example I always use is like, "Hey, don't don't pick don't pick men, pick uh, men in North Portland who ride unicycles to work." Okay, They're, this is what we call a niche. Okay, if you really want to get sushi, I, I can go there. But this is a really really helpful tip to get to a very specific kind of person, group of people. That, that you can figure out what they struggle with, what their problem is. Hopefully, you are a man in North Portland riding a unicycle to work, and you can scratch your own itch and make your own solution to your problem. Like, hey, I need to put a kickstand on this unicycle because every time I come to a stoplight, I got to stop, I got to jump off it and hold it or something like that, right? Um, these these kinds of problems, if they're if they they exist in other people as well, the more specific that group of person uh, that group is, the easier it is to get in touch with them. So there's only one unicycle shop in North Portland. They all kind of come in and out of there, 
right? So then you can create a poster. You can talk to these people. You can have a monthly meeting and say, like, guys, I've been having this problem with, with the, well, I was thinking of a kickstand. Would that work for you? And now we, because we've got a very specific kind of person defined, we can find very specific problems and create very specific solutions to those problems. And all of this specificity is sort of the hallmark of small, creative, meaningful businesses that actually work. Because if you try to be like, a, hey, I want to help people like live their passion, man. I want to help them find, you know, <laughs> what, what it is that makes them click and tick, you know. I want to sort of flick them right in the heart and kickstart their guts. That's what I want to do. I've said a lot of great stuff. All of that is amorphous, ambiguous, sort of just like I said, so what are you, a life coach? Or is that? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an awesomizer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's what I do. I awesomeize your life. Well, where are you going to find these people? Everywhere. Everybody needs this. You know, then that's that's how I know that we've got a lot of work to do. I want to take a quick break, thank our friends at Campaign Monitor, and then I have, I want to dig in some more to some of this stuff. Campaign Monitor, make it easier to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns quickly and easily. So let's, just, let's say you've decided you want to start your own thing, you want to start your own blog, your own business, your own website, your own store. Campaign Monitor can be the people to help you send the email that you want to your customers. They can help you do it in your own style as well with their fantastic template builder called canvas it's super easy to use you can create fantastic and beautiful looking email newsletters with canvas they look fantastic on all devices you can choose all the colors and fonts that you want to use you can lay out everything out as you like you can put images in there and they'll automatically resize them for you they use responsive web design to make sure it's going to look fantastic on all devices so you're going to look at laptops phones tablets and 30 inch monitors it's going to look great everywhere these aren't just cookie cutter templates you re can really dig in and have something super flexible and customizable with, with Canvas and you can build the type of email that you want to build. Campaign Monitor have actually made it possible for you to, to build and export templates without ever having a Campaign Monitor account. So you can go in, try them out, see how cool they are by going to campaignmonitor.com templates. But you should sign up because they're really cool and really nice and they help support me. So go and check this out by signing up for a free account right now at campaignmonitor.com. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for continuing to be such a great supporter of Inquisitive and all of Relay FM. So, Mr. Reeves, when is it a good idea to start working with others? So let's say you've got your idea, you've decided that you've, you've, you know, you've tested it out with friends and family, you're confident that you've picked a good thing, you've like, this is the thing for me, I've got it. But then you start to work on it and you maybe decide that you might need a little bit of help. Is that a good thing to do? I mean, you work with other people. Why do you work with other people? Um, it's a great question. And it's something that I see happening more and more. And I like it. The trend before was you blog. You'd like start up a blog and you'd be like, I am a, I am a wannabe Marco Armand. And I know all the things. You know, I wish I could talk crap about Marco. He no, literally does know all the things. That's the thing about him. I'm so enormously <laughs> impressed. I remember like back in the day when I didn't really know who he was and it was just like his tone. I was like, what a, what a jerk. But now like four years later, I'm like, 
this I am go- I'm not going to buy the headphones anybody else recommends. <laughs> like <laughs> there's only one guy I'm going to trust about headphones recommendations or I, I I how am I supposed to feel about iTunes uh or you know app store approvals? Well, let's see what Marco says. Well, okay, this is how I feel cuz he's always he's always right about stuff. That's for the rest of us who can't who can't really who don't who aren't that skilled, I guess. Um I I love the idea of working with people. As I was saying, the 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 trend was always you did it yourself, and this is something that's always been a motivator for me. I like to do things by myself. I've made music for the last ten fifteen years, and I've done I've been in like was in a bunch of hardcore and metal bands, but outside of that, because those are all live experiences, all of the music that I've made has been solo stuff. It's all been on the computer recording a bunch. I love to be lost in that, and I'm the only one that thinks on that level. Uh, at the uh, to have to explain something to somebody else to get them on the same page just seemed like a nightmare. So I always just ended up fiddling with myself. Um, and if, and if, and what what resulted from that was just a bunch of fiddling things, just a bunch of fiddly bits everywhere. Nothing really substantial. This working with with Corbett uh, on Fizzle is the first time I've ever had like a real partnership, and it's a completely different experience. Uh, like. It's painful in that it cause, calls me to the table. Like every Monday we check in on Slack and we say, okay, these are the things we're going to do this week. Uh, and I have to do that. I have to say the things that I'm going to do that week. And that's difficult because I just like to just fly by the seat of my pants and just go like, well, I guess I accomplished some things this week. And then every Friday we say, did we do it or did we not? And, and, and that one little tip of just having somebody there who's expecting me to send that and me expecting them to send it as well uh, is enough to keep me... <clears throat> moving forward where I would have just gone like, just like, I don't know, fiddle, fiddle around, more fiddly stuff. So I worked with Corbett on this because we both brought completely different things to the table. He hired me to, des- to design his old website, Think Traffic. And he had a massive site because he'd been blogging there for five years and it was a very specific topic and it was a great idea that he had brought to fruition in, the, in a big community of people. And he wanted to do something different than this typical sort of like $2,000, $500 product stuff. He was like, let's do a cheap, affordable, membership-based sort of training thing that's mostly about the community with the training teaching you how to use software and the basics of business and stuff. And because we worked so well together, I was the design creative sort of uh, chutzpah guy. And he was the intelligence experienced sort of knows how to get something out the door guy. We worked really well together in that environment. Uh, and. It was this weird, for the first time, like one of these like compounded uh, sort of, imp- I don't know, what positivity metric scale thingy. And draw the line up the, up the graph chart in terms of uh, how valuable this was. Because each of us by ourselves, you know, one plus one equals three is kind of what it ended up being. Um, and I'm, en- I'm enormously grateful for, for this experience because I don't think I would have designed this myself. I wouldn't have designed it to like... To work with anybody else, I would have designed. I felt like I could have probably done Fizzle by myself, and it would have been a lot different, and it wouldn't have been as as good because I would only be talking to a very small subset of people that we have a, access to a much wider audience that that Corbett helps them feel at home in. I think you know. So why do people why do people do this? Because um, I think that myth of the because I mean think about why Combinators this uh, this startupy uh, incubator thing. And they only take founders. Uh, they only take companies where there's at least at least two founders and like less than four or something like that. Um, 
the Paul Graham always talks about there being a really kind of magic thing that happens when there's two founders. There's some like natural uh, you when you're orbiting around one another like that, you're able to there's this tension, this creative tension, this this uh, this tension of productivity as well. That's helpful. And I've experienced that. I think that's that's uh, I, I would concur. How do you how do you think uh, about it now that you've gone off totally with Relay and Stephen? So this is like a bi- a big thing for us because you know there was initially when I first first had the thoughts I was like can I do this and I kind of felt like probably not like I could try but it probably wouldn't be as good and I knew that I needed somebody to work with uh, and obviously to me like Stephen was the only person that I would work with on a project like this because we've worked together on things like this for so many years now and the great thing about the way that we work together as co-founders, is we have very different skills. Uh, we're both good at different things. And some of the stuff that we're good at, the other person isn't so good at. So, like for example, mm-hmm. or, or doesn't want to do as yeah. much. You know, like Stephen's really good at some of the finance stuff. And a lot of that is not stuff that interests me, but he's pretty good at doing it. And then like the po- the podcast sales, like the ad sales, I'm pretty good at that, and Stephen's not so interested in that. So it's like we have this like balance, but it goes all the way through to like just admin. You know, like he's really good at some of the admin stuff. I'm really good at other yeah. admin stuff, and and we have a great kind of relationship now. In that it's like a well-oiled machine. Things just get done, and like we don't need to talk about them. Like he knows that I'm going to send the invoices out on Friday. Like he just knows that I'm going to do that, and then I do it. You know, and and I know that when the money comes in, he's going to make sure it all goes to the right place, and and we 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 work really well together. And there's you know in all the things like setting up uh, the the site and the CMS and all that kind of stuff, like he was really great at doing all of that. And and like the live streaming server, I have no idea if Stephen wasn't here, there would be no live streaming on Relay FM because I. I just don't know what to do. And so there's we have this great balance and and I think it helps us function really well. Um and over time like our responsibilities change and they adapt and they grow and they shrink and and one person does this and one person does that and I think that it works really well for us. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think I have the very similar experience. And I think there's something important about like that not uh necessarily having the same skill set. There's some overlap with Corbin and I, but but really, he it's easy for him to go like, okay, well, it needs to be designed, so that's just you go do that. And I'm like, well, that needs to go do that sort of thing, and you totally clearly let's go do that. It's nice to be able to have those those roles uh, and definitions that way. I think. So, one of the other things that that I'm interested in is like, so you you know you've picked you've picked your idea, right? You've picked your buddy that you're going to work with because you think that it's. Uh, it's the right thing to do. You know, you're like, oh, I want to work with this person. Yeah. And I will say as well, a bit of recommended listening, uh, the Startup Podcast. They had a great episode um, where I think Alex Bloomberg, uh, he mm-hmm. is talking about getting a uh, a co-founder, working with, uh, getting a business partner. It's, it's a good episode where he goes backwards and forwards on it. Totally, uh, it is good. Great show. Um all the great shows and uh, I, <laughs> all, all, all the great shows. Um, so many. So you've had your idea, right? You decide you want to work with your buddy. How do you get started? How do you stay motivated at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday when you have to be awake in five hours to go to work? 
Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you get that initial excitement to push you through and then maintain it to keep you going? I think about like there's a, a story of a guy named Samuel Hulick who started useronboard.com, I think, something like that. Useronboard.co, maybe. Um, <clears throat> he had this, he's been in, in the startup world for a while, been working on like sort of the onboarding process as a UX designer. Kind of, he wanted to specify as something like that. And he had this idea to write this book. And eventually, he, he kind of kept throwing out ideas about the book and trying to write the outline and started doing all this stuff. And then he realized, like, I gotta, I got, I know that I need to create an, I need to create my own audience to sell this to. This isn't gonna just sell by itself. So he started coming up with ideas of things that he could do to sort of grow his audience and his email list so that he, when he did have something to sell, he's got a, a bunch of people who are like, I'm interested in this kind of stuff. I could be interested in your book too. Um, and so he started, eventually he, he came up with the, this concept of doing these teardowns of onboarding processes uh, for apps like Yo or Foursquare or uh, OpenTable or Kickstarter and all this stuff. What's it like to do the onboard processes uh, or to do the, go through this online, onboard, onboard process and where could they make improvements? Where am I confused? He does all these great little screenshots sh- and, and captions and things like that. And those became really... Uh, really popular in the sort of the software as a service world and the world where it's like your onboarding process is you live and die by that because your people are signing up for your free product and then never coming back to it again, right? Um, your onboard process is oftentimes the difference between them coming back and them not coming back. So it's this important thing that he wanted... Uh, that, so, and he had this expertise in it. He created these slideshows uh, of it, and they started getting a, a bunch of uh, play online. People linked to them from all over the place. People are loving going through them. Companies are getting in touch with him. Could you do one on us? His audience, his his list started growing because um, he, you know, had it real quick and easy. There, the Mailchimp sign up and get, and I'll send you when I do the next one. It's just per, like I, I really loved this idea. I'm enamored by it because. It's, it seems different. It seems fresh. It seems true. It seems useful and valuable. It seems like for some of us who are working in this space, this is so clearly an interesting thing that I can learn so much from in a short amount of time. And because of that, he grew his email list relatively quickly to not like some insane number, but around you know 10,000 people. He eventually finished the book and he was able to do $7,000 in his first day of just pressing just pressing publish, you know, even though he says he botched the launch of that. And then over time, he's made like 70 something thousand dollars from from a little silly little book on onboarding because it's helpful and useful to people who are already finding his stuff that he's put out into the world that's helpful and useful. Um, all of this, when I list, when I learn about it, when I hear it, I hear him going, I have this big idea for a book that sells. And then him going like, wait, the selling part's going to be hard. Uh, how do I how do I fix that? Okay, we got to make an audience. Okay, that's hard. How do we do that? So he just breaks these things down into smaller and smaller and bite-sized chunks. He can't write a book and sell it tomorrow, but what he could do is do a couple screenshots of onboarding for Facebook and make some comments and put it online and try to get other people to see it. That's not that's very different from a book, but you can kind of see how it would lead there potentially if these things started working out. So there's like this this nice little trick in there of this idea that you have that you've partnered with a buddy on is this big, crazy, massive, over-engineered thing, which one day, hopefully that'll be like version three of the product. 
what we can do now is is understand the things that that needs to have in order to be successful and start maybe making some of those. Maybe we can do an MVP type thing on uh like Samuel did making these teardowns instead of making writing this whole book. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's so, I think is a massive uh, uh like trick to sort of to keeping that that motivation that forward flow going as you're ma- as you're making things because that is the ultimate killer is burnout is the killer. Burnout yeah, is exactly. you trying to do too much. Um there's this great quote from Parker Palmer who says burnout in my experience he says burnout typically is described as people trying to do too much but in my experience it's usually been trying to do trying to do what I what I do not uh trying to give what I do not possess. Right? This sen- it's just he's this wonderful Quaker thinker that just makes you cry when you read his books that are like thirty pages long. So go read Let Your If you're really clueless and struggling and, and floundering around, just go read Let Your Life Speak right now and just just weep and drink red wine for the rest of your life. Um, so this concept of burnout and 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 of of failing to move forward in the project, I failed to move forward on a lot of things, and they all led to other stuff. They made me open to other ideas down the road. And that's an important thing to remember, that this is just one of your ideas. There's going to be more. Um, but for something to survive, you really do have to work. You're, you really have to take the hard path and work on it. And so breaking things down into small, bite-sized chunks, things that, that you feel like, quote-unquote, strategically can help the success of version three of this product later on or this project, that is a kill that is a very killer app for your for your project is to create little things that you can ship that can grow your audience to understand so that you can then maybe send them an email this is a great little trick that i do is uh, on my personal blog ice to the brim it's like everybody that signs up i just send them a little text expander email when i get the confirmation from mailchimp and i just say hey what's one thing you're struggling with right now as a working man or uh, or as a you know a professional knitter or as a unicycle writer or as a whatever to you know whatever your site is about whatever you're 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 the crew of people you're trying to to pull together but what's asking what's one thing you're struggling with right now is an amazing way especially if you have that targeted sort of audience to see like as you ride your unicycle around town what's one thing that you'd say is a sort of a bummer about your experience thanks for signing up talk to you soon (laughs) you know it's very easy to then i mean i get several responses to that every week and i'm you get to learn from like what are the how in their words what are they struggling with and um those kinds of insights with the startup world with the lean startup world called customer development where the customers actually develop the idea of the of the product instead of some entrepreneur having some brilliant idea and trying to get it out the door without knowing if it's going to work or not that i think is a massive shift in thinking and, and a really good one so Mary has been writing her blog for for five years, and uh, it's about let let's just say it's about uh, apps for I don't know. Uh, let's just say it's about games. Say Mary's been writing a, a casual gaming blog for for a few years. She writes about mobile apps, mobile games, stuff like that. Uh, and she has about 5,000 readers to her blog. There are RSS subscribers that are there all the time. Every now and then she writes a good piece that gets picked up by like a bigger bigger publication. But it's not enough for her to make it a full-time business. She has a little bit of ad income, but it's not enough. What does she do? Like she really well, loves her blog, and she wants it to be a, a living. I mean, how? how yeah. what can she think about to try and push her business forward? 
what 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 the trend in in the blogging world has sort of been is to create pro- a product, okay. And a lot of the times, these things are uh, <clears throat> some sort of a, a training sort of thing. Like, hey, you want to beat uh, Pac Man with a perfect score? I wrote the uh, here's a ten dollar book about how to do it, the tips and tricks, and interviews with Pac Man top score winners. Right? Um, that's Selling a product is going to be much much more viable than than earning a living through ad revenue. Always, then I mean, it sounds like this writer is is trying to go the traditional path of like I'm a blogger and then I get picked up by, uh, you know, some publication that they now pay my bills. They they hired me, um, which is cool. But now you're you're working for somebody, right? And you you have to write all the things, you have to do all the stuff, which is, uh which might start feeling different than it did when you were by yourself and on your own and, and get to write about whatever you want to. Um, so it's, it's hard in some niches like that. Video games, like uh, uh, video game blogging. If you had the biggest community out there of, uh, because your voice was just so uh, uh, clarion about these kinds of topics, then, I mean, if you're like, uh, uh, what's his name, the tech writer that went to uh, Medium? Who is that? Why am I blanking on his name? I can't remember. Mm. But he has his own like column essentially on Medium. Um because Medium hired him away from where he was and they're like this is an an interesting thing. If you can have that kind of power uh or that kind of uh yeah, I guess I guess prestige in your voice that that's awesome. But I think it's really hard to try to plan for that. I think anticipating that that's going to happen is a is a great deal of wishful thinking. And you kind of ha- I think some of my favorite businesses are made on very, with very small and, and avid fans, very small group of avid fans. Um, so you don't need to have some massive audience the, the way that you do with advertising. You have to have a ton of people there, right? You could also, uh, there's a lot of interesting models though. I mean, imagine all of the things that get sold for video game type stuff, right? You have the consoles, you have the games themselves, you have all this stuff. If you grow a decent enough audience who's who's more uh, targeted and focused on you than they are on other people, then those uh, those companies get to have access to your audience for a fee, right? Which doesn't have to be advertising. It could also be affiliate type sales, like my review of this. Hey guys, they sent me this. I've got three copies to give away. Anybody who buys through this link, I get you know twenty dollars on the back end. I love it if you do that. Uh, but here's my honest review of X, Y, and Z. And now we get into the muddy water of like uh, you know being editorial and totally having autonomy, but also needing to make money. So the, ultimately, to me, the idea is totally viable. You could do something. I, I think in video games, it could be really tough, but I don't know that world very well, Mike. Yeah. I, uh, I stopped ha- having your facial complexion a long time ago. I get out of the house, unlike you, and I uh, don't have podcasts about video games. Should, I'm totally great. alienating myself from your audience right now, aren't I? I don't know. The, the, not everybody listen to, listens to video games. I have a five-year-old and depression. These are video. Ga- these are my video games. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have a, a second sponsor. We have a very special uh, sponsor, sponsor this week. We have our friends at Dash, and they've put together a really fun song uh, for you that I would I would very much like you to listen to. So I'm going to play that now. Well, goddamn, it's Dash, where you can easily create real time. Dashboards that show information There are dozens of pre-built widgets For services like App figures Google Analytics GitHub And don't forget Twitter Go to thedash.com You don't need no credit card Go to thedash.com Play with 
to show custom data. It's got a great API to share from Dropbox or the web. Things like line charts, speedometers, tables, or use iframe. The pricing model is a lot like GitHub. All the public dashboards for free. For 10 bucks a month, unlimited private dashboards could be yours. So go to the dash.com. They're currently running a promotion. If you sign up at the dash.com, private dashboards, you'll be able to get one. Go to the dash.com. You don't need no credit cards. Go to the dash.com and play with it because it is fun. Thank you so much to Dash uh, for providing us with that fantastic uh, Jonathan Mann piece there to talk about Dash. We love Dash. You should go support them. Thank you to them for giving us something special this Christmas and uh, for for helping make Relay a thing. Mr. Chase Reeves. You go. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Yeah. What do you need? What do you let's need? do some real talk. Um, RT. What let's are some of the down. biggest lessons you have learned from trying to be an independent creator? What are some of, some of the biggest mistakes you've made and the biggest lessons you've learned? Um. You know, we, we, those two that we kind of covered where the, you get sort of enamored by the idea and you get blinded to reality. That is one of the bigger mistakes that I've made because I've made it like a lot of, like, and often. I've made it like several times in the last 15 years. But then uh, that other bit about getting the idea out the door and learning from allowing it to sort of, like that idea is the seed instead of that idea is the plan. Uh, and then tr- actually holding it with an open hand, actually being curious about who's going to buy this thing, trying to do the work to get it in front of them and ask them, would this be useful to you? How could this be? Uh, how, in your wildest dreams, what would this look like? What's the real problem that you have with this stuff? Yada, yada, yada. Those two things together, like the, the first being the realization that you're going, <laughs> you're going to be like, you're going to golem this thing and you're going to be like, my precious to a fault. You know, you just want to pet the rabbit, George. But then there's uh, the, the way through that is to, you know, <laughs> to let go of the rabbit's neck and hold it with an open hand and take it out into the world and, and, and find the people that you'd be interested in serving and see what they have to say about that problem or what, how, what words they'd put it in or what in their wildest dreams they would wish uh, they could have to solve that problem. Those two things are, are really big. Um, and the one that I pro- those are probably the ones that, I, that I've struggled with most as I think about like the actual idea itself. Because so much of, so many of the mistakes that you end up making later on can be totally rectified and, and avoided if you kind of take that posture of curiosity about the audience instead of, um, uh, uh, I don't know, graspiness about your idea. Do you, do you know, is that making sense, the difference between those two? I think so. So like if I was really graspy about this idea, if I was clinging to it, white-knuckling it, it'd be like, it'd be like Gollum. It'd be like, my precious, my precious. I, I'm, I have this idea. It's in my notebooks, it's in my journal. I write about it all the time in my journal and I'm figuring it out. I'm doing wireframes and sketchings and I've got a whiteboard and I'm doing all this stuff and I could spend, you know, I could spend several months in that mode with an idea that is making me feel like I'm not a piece of crap, that I'm worth something and that, that this is going to be like my claim to fame. And, uh, and I'm just, get, I'm like basically getting high on my own supply. I can waste so much time in that and over-engineer this thing so much, which is a fun exploration. If you've got all the time in the world, it's, it, you could think of a lot of worse ways to spend your day. 
But if you actually do want this thing to turn into an actual business, you're, you're hurting. I'm, I was hurting myself. I was giving that idea much less of an opportunity to succeed. And I was spending way more time than I needed to on the idea. If I could have the idea, sketch up uh, what version three would look like, then reverse engineer to like the very, very smallest thing that I could possibly do that could potentially prove whether or not this people would actually want something like this. Put that out there. And then within a short amount of time, I've discovered, oh my God, they really don't want this. They want that. Or eh, it's sort of ambiguous. How do I make it more clear? When you start to think in those small actionable chunks, you'll learn so much more about your idea than you and a whiteboard could ever give to you. Though it's still a great exercise to do the whole, you know, spitballing thing. So I think of those two. I mean, what would you say? Do do you remember mistakes that you've made? Um, I think probably the most of the mistakes that I have made uh, come through not thinking things through properly and and like acting too quickly. So yeah. getting too excited about something and then just doing it without mm. necessarily putting some of the required thought in. Mm. You know, Signing so you're up. saying like the opposite. You just, so you would just throw something up on on the web. Well, yeah, or or like uh, agreeing to do something or or wanting to start something with somebody and kind of just getting way too involved before I've actually put any real thought into it and worked out if it actually would make any sense for me to do. Sure. Just because yeah. I get too excited, you know, I'm like a little... Especially, yeah, especially in, in situations where someone else has the idea or you're kind of working with someone, but you haven't really formalized what this thing's going to be, you know. What would you say is a good, a good tip for people who are like, maybe they have someone that they know they want to build something with. They don't necessarily know what the idea is, but there's a couple of them that they have. Would you say like... Just commit to spitballing this thing together and then decide what the work is later? Or, or is there any sort of cleaner path that you can see through that? Well, say like you found somebody that you really want to work with and you haven't like worked out what it's going to be yet. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that you have to do is you have to be open to uh, criticism and you have to be open to disagreement. Like mm. that is something that I've found. Like if you're going to work with somebody, you have to realize that it's not just your opinion anymore. Like it's somebody yeah. else's opinion there. And you have to find a way between the two of you to deal with that. That sometimes you're going to have a really great idea or you've got a great name for the project, but the other mm. person thinks that it's terrible. And you kind of just have to get used to the fact that it's not all on you anymore. And then once you can actually get past that, you realize how valuable that can be because you have somebody who's there to, to talk you down from the dumb idea that you just had. Let's so yeah. like a lot of the mistakes that I've made in the past are now kind of instantly rectified by the fact that I have at least one person that I have to run the ideas by. Like I don't have a choice. Yeah. Like I can't mm-hmm. just go and do something, right, with Relay. Like I, me and Steven have to agree to it. And, and yeah. that has actually stopped me already from doing a bunch of dumb things. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's, I guess, when we're thinking of the speed of the internet. It's kind of like, oh, we should do stickers. Okay, I can already, I just ordered them. <laughs> you know, yep. it's like, wait, where are we going to ship these from again? Uh, okay, I'll order a second uh, batch and have them shipped to the U.S. <laughs> you know, like all of these kinds of things that the, the little littler ideas. I guess I'm thinking more in terms of those those big business ideas throughout this conversation, which are meaning meaning not like it's like, a, oh, I should have a blog and that has a sticker. It's more like, what should the blog be about? Yeah, and how am I going to make them earn a dollar from that thing? You know. Yeah, because like even that sort of stuff, like I was like, I have a great idea for a new show, you know. And I tell Stephen, he's like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
Yeah. You know, but it's so nice to be able to talk that through. I mean, so many people don't have anybody to talk that through. The and they have some is, idea. It's not What's even that? just having someone. It's having someone who it affects because, you know, you can have like loved yeah. ones who, will, who don't want to upset you because they can see how excited you are. Oh, totally. But Stephen yeah. and I, you know, we're not going to be like that with each other because it affects our business, you know. So you've got mm-hmm. somebody who has a vested interest in whether your idea is dumb or not. As opposed yeah. to just not wanting to upset you because you've got those none, none of your ideas are stu- none of your ideas are dumb. Well, thank you. They're just varying levels of of good. Some are they're not they're good. Really good. They're really good. It's just that Stevens are always better. Here's an interesting question for you. Let's hear it. What are the problems of being successful? I'm not that successful. I guess I kind of I, I am at a point where it's like we have uh, money enough is coming in, like just barely enough is coming in for our three salaries and. And server costs and things like that, and has and it's been coming in that way for for a while, and it's not going anywhere. It's only growing, so that feels kind of cool. But um, there's there, so I'm in this very like this very plateau middling stage right now, um, where it's like okay, we were bloggers, and then we took that blog thing and we made one exactly one transition uh, laterally, and now we're like these uh, I don't know whatever membership. Uh, site uh, educator business builder people um cool it's but i i i really want the brand fizzle i want i want a world in, in which i can see m- my brand right next to mailchimp and squarespace uh some for, i mean those are these are like a couple just i don't know when i think of brands that that i really admire online it's it's first and foremost it's it's mailchimp because they they make a really useful tool and then then they have a ton of fun you know, you mean, and uh, I like that. Ma- Male Kemp, right? Those guys. Uh, yeah, guys. I could be, I could be saying it wrong. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Uh, so um, it's funny. You know, you 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 read a word out in your head your whole life, you know, and then you see it on, on, uh, and you say it out loud, and it's like, oh, <laughs> totally screwed up. But anyways, I see the Fizzle brand, like, oh, I see a potential for us to like be. Like, what if it's just a thing that you go do and then you're a part of and and it's super helpful for this kind of person, the person who's likely to sign up for MailChimp because you're going to need that and you're going to need a website. You're going to need all this stuff, right? And now you're also going to need to know how to build this business and what the best practices are and what are some of the tips and tricks and how have other people done it before? There's about 10 different models of business you could do on that, that, are, that are pretty common out there. Let me show you which ones they are. Let me show you how to get to understand your audience and how to pick an actual topic that you're going to be interested in that's not going to burn you out and that that could potentially earn you can earn a living from you know so i think of that and that's very far in the future uh and i'm trying to distance myself from my from like us just being bloggers and reach a level a, a layer above that so i'm in this like we're in this weird sort of like i i don't really know but we have this killer group of people who have signed up and who have been members for a while and new people every day. And I just, I, I find, a one real big tip trick hack thingy is, uh, dude, just find people that you really care about, that you're like, probably represent what you were like two years ago or three years ago or something. And you feel for yourself. You see yourself struggling with those issues, that self-worth, that, that, um, that ability to ship things, that... The, the you see yourself with so much capability and so much potential, but not doing it, being your own worst enemy, right? 
you can find those people today and make things for them and serve them. And I think there's something about that mentality of just like, I can really just honor your path and your journey with and create things that can help you on the way. Because you're heading towards being a superstar and a hero. And that doesn't look like, you know, no, like one of my favorite business talks ever is Kathy Sierra has this talk called Minimum Viable Badass. And she's like, nobody wants to be good at Facebook. Nobody wants to be good at color grading in Final Cut. They want to make awesome movies. They want to be a killer filmmaker. They don't want to, they don't want to be good at color grading. They don't want to be good at Final Cut Pro. They want to make phenomenal movies. They want to be creating important art. What is the thing that makes them awesome? What are they trying to become? How, if, if, if in their minds, if they drew a picture of them as a badass, what would it look like? Now, go help them make that happen. And there's something so... Um, this, another, another place where I found that sentiment is in the hospitality industry with these, um, like in Portland and there's amazing food everywhere. And I get to know a bunch of these little restaurateurs and, uh, and through that world, I found like this, there's this restaurant in, in Seattle called Canlis and I got to meet that family and hear their story and actually interview one of the guys on the podcast. And, and it's amazing. Then there's another guy called Danny Meyer in New York and he wrote a book and he has all these things online that I can find from him. And um, they're all about like we create a space to honor the stories of the people who are coming in because it's not cheap to eat at our restaurants. People come to our restaurant when it's like a family member's last meal. When uh, you know the guy from Canlis was telling me about, uh, they they always kind of figure out, hey, what what are you coming in for? Uh, this guy was bringing his wife in. Uh, he had just returned from Iraq from being uh, on duty in the military. And his wife was faithful to him, and a few of his other friends, like their life, their wives weren't that. And so he's like, "I want, I, I can't even afford to be here, but I want to, I want to take my wife to this place to celebrate her faithfulness." And they, they made that room a, around that story, and they created that that evening for them, hmm. so that everything would support their story. That is, in it, like, I get the chills thinking about it. It's in, so enormously powerful to me. So when I think of all the ways that I want to be awesome, that I want to be a badass, that I feel like the things that I'm searching for, other people want those things and I can enable, I can help make tools to get them there and maybe even in better ways than, than they would if they were left to their own devices. That to me is like the dream of business. Uh, it's not, it's, I'm not a profit or money guy. I don't, I don't even go to the revenue meetings that we have at Fizzle. I have no idea how much money we're making. <laughs> But I'm always trying to stay connected to who the people we make this thing for are. Because when I hear their stories, I'm just like, you son of a... That is so freaking awesome. I love that you're trying to do this. Uh, how can I help? That's what it feels like. you know. Because I don't have all the answers. I'm not some business training person. And none of the people who are business trained have all the answers. Because the world is just moving too fast. And, and there's new things to discover every single day. And new ways that someone's going to make a dollar... And I just think if we, we're, we're the kind of person that we've attracted at Fizzle are these uh, kind of heart centric founders, people who just care about what about how things come off. They care about being able to look at themselves in the mirror and all this stuff. And there's more opportunity than ever to create a business these days where you get to be yourself, where you get to be interesting, you know, and you get to promote ideas that are important and and funny and whatever, whatever you feel like. That was a rant. Chase Reeves. Yeah. If people have enjoyed hearing you, listening to your dulcet tones, wax lyrical about 
what's important. Mm. Where where can they find more of it? You can head on down to fizzle.co. I don't really have a deep voice right now. Sorry. <coughs> you can head on down to it. <laughs> you go to fizzle.co uh, and we have a blog and a podcast there that uh, I'm awful proud of. And uh, that's where I would. That's where I would start. You could also, if you're if you're indiscriminate about who you follow on Twitter, I am on there as Chase underscore Reeves. Uh, but I can't promise there won't be any nudity. I hope that you promise there will be. Uh, if you'd like <laughs> to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm/inquisitive/slash nineteen. That's where you're going to find uh, links to everything we've spoken about. A bunch of the things that we've spoken about today, and things that Chase has mentioned, I've thrown in there for you. So there's a good collection of show notes today. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors for this week: Campaign Monitor and Dash. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Inquisitive. Thanks for, to Chase for joining me. Thank you for listening, and have a happy holiday wherever you are. Um, until next time, bye-bye.